Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 761. I waited a moment to make sure she was finished. My people are wanderers too, I said. It is our way. Nowhere and everywhere is where we live. She shrugged, smiling. It is a story, mind you, and an old one. Take from it what you will. I am fond of stories, I said. A story is like a nut, Bashet said. A fool will swallow it whole and choke. A fool will throw it away, thinking it of little worth. She smiled. But a wise woman finds a way to crack the shell and eat the meat inside. I got to my feet and walked to where she was sitting. I kissed her hands and her forehead and her mouth. Vashet, I said, I am glad Shaheen gave me to you. You are a foolish boy. She looked down, but I could see a faint blush rising on her face as she spoke. Come, we should go. You do not want to miss the chance to see Shaheen fight. Vashet led me to an unmarked piece of meadow where the thick grass had been grazed close to the ground. A few other Adam already stood nearby, waiting. Some folk had brought small stools or rolled pieces of log to use as benches. Vashet simply sat on the ground. I joined her. A crowd slowly gathered. Only thirty people or so, but it was the most Adam I'd ever seen together other than in the dining hall. They gathered in twos and threes, moving from one conversation to another. Rarely did a group of five coalesce for any length of time. Though there were a dozen conversations all within a stone's throw of me, I couldn't hear more than a murmur. The speakers stood close enough to touch, and the wind in the grass made more noise than their voices. But I could tell the tone of each conversation from where I sat. Two months ago, this gathering would have seemed eerily subdued, a gathering of fidgety, emotionless, near-mutes. But now I could see plainly one pair of Adam were a teacher and student by how far apart they stood, by the deference in the younger woman's hands. The cluster of three red-shirted men were friends, easy and joking as they jostled at each other. That man and woman were fighting. She was angry. He was trying to explain. I suddenly wondered how I ever could have thought of these people as restless or fidgety. Every motion was to a purpose. Every shifting of the feet implied a change in attitude. Every gesture spoke volumes. Vashet and I sat close to each other and kept our voices low, continuing our discussion in Aturin. She explained how each school had standing accounts with the Shaldish Mundylanders. That meant far-flung mercenaries ended the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. And Nick has taken a brief leave of absence. He was pinged. Yes, he was pinged. He's gone to go and... uh, speak with our forces uh, even now striking from their hidden rebel base uh, in the mountains of the Rockies. I have a question about your book Mm -hmm. Uh, where it says uh, the sentence that is after near mutes. It starts, but now, and then what is it? But now I could plainly see one pair of Adam were teacher and student. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought you said I could see plainly. And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a new page thing. And no, never mind. Everything's fine. Our books are the same. Shant. Sigh. Here's me looking for things that aren't there. Um, yes. Okay. Back to the meat of the page. And also that of the nut. And also that thing that Bashet says where uh, it's just another example of them using... Uh, like woman instead of man when she's like a like a smart woman would do this mm-hmm. um yes also the nut they're talking about clearly uh, a walnut uh, why is mind. it why is it clearly a walnut because 
uh, or a peanut. It could be a walnut or a peanut, I think, because um, because those are the, the nuts that look like the most like rocks, but also have shells that require removal. Uh, <laughs> don't all nuts have a shell that requires removal? Well, I think so, but not well. OK, so cashews kind of like come out of a weird fruit, I think. Huh? Yeah. Maybe I should do more research on nuts. I'm, I'm and like and like so like pistachios, which are those little green ones. Like their their shell is really slim, so like they kind of they look like they're a nut that you could eat. Like on it, you could probably bite through the shell of a pistachio and you'd be okay. Mm. But like walnuts have a shell that like you really got to take the shell off a walnut. Yeah, you got to work at it. I think hazelnuts are the same way, but I honestly try to stay far away from hazelnuts because of my allergy. So <laughs> I don't know about hazelnuts. Right. Anyway, what I'm saying is nuts often look like rocks, which was why, which is why they like might seem of no value. If you hadn't seen a nut before, you might look at it and be like, oh, it's a weird rock or like a funky seed. That, yeah, And then is... you think like, oh, it's too hard. I can't eat it. No value. Yes. At the very least, you don't think of it as an edible object necessarily. Indeed. Or perhaps more trouble than it's worth. I do think it's cute that he he's giving her the same sign of respect that we've seen Tempe give to Shaheen. Uh, you know, they, this seems kind of like a traditional greeting, sort of like how like European people will like when they, you know, when they greet you, they're going to, you know, kiss the side of your face. Um, but I also think that Vashet knows that for Aturins, that's like not a typical greeting. And I think that she is reading it as a little bit flirtatious. And she's going, oh, this young, this young handsome thing is flirting with me. Yeah, uh, maybe. Well, why else would she blush? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I can't. She think looks of down reason. and blushes, so she's clearly a little bit turned on by this. Even though I don't, I think Foth does not intend it flirtatiously. I mean, sometimes you blush for like other reasons, like like for instance, embarrassment. Although I do think you're right, but theoretically, she could be embarrassed that oh, this barbarian is is making a fool of himself in front of me. <laughs> or this barbarian is like paying me a compliment and I don't know how to take a compliment, so I'm going to blush. Or at least not from a barbarian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's a barbarian. I think that I think she's either like pleased but a little embarrassed to be complimented because Quoth is saying like, you're a good teacher. You've taught me a lot. We understand each other. Thank you. That's what he's saying. Yeah. So either she's blushing because she is also attracted to him and this is a little bit more intimate than she's used to, or she's blushing because she's not used to this kind of effusive praise from a student. Yes. That's, Agreed. Yeah. What do you make of the second half of the page? I think it's really lovely that he's like, you know, uh, open to to learning things about the culture and that that's really rubbing off on him. I think it's very sweet and wholesome. Indeed. Well, and it's also, it's one of these things where like Quoth learns something and he says like, I couldn't believe how foolish I had been about these people before. How could I have been so silly? And he doesn't always have that kind of introspection about his own prejudices and, and prior held beliefs, right? Yeah, actually that is kind of, I, I, I mean, I feel kind of bad saying it's unlike Quoth, but uh, it does sort of feel like it's i don't know he's a smart guy i guess but also his introspection not great so i guess it's it's very refreshing it's lovely i really like it <laughs> yeah he's like he but and i mean i guess what i'm driving at is like this is a lesson that he often learns too late that his preconceptions have 
prevented him from a fuller understanding of a situation, a people, a person, a culture. Well, certainly, I mean, Quoth has had some lived experience now, and he is growing as a person, and now he's starting to make those realizations not too late. <laughs> so, Yeah, or at least, I mean, this still comes late, but not so late that it's going to, like, really it's cause It's not problematic problem. that it's that it's coming a little late. Exactly. It's not going to make his life that much more difficult. Uh, but is he going to carry this lesson forward into other things in his life? Only time that, will tell. That remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, it's also like very sort of humanizing for the ADEM that when Quoth is able to better understand how to people watch, how to eavesdrop on ADEM, they're having the same kinds of conversations and interactions that every people in every culture have, right? You've got teachers and students, you've got like, groups of dudes just hanging out you've got a couple who are having some kind of fight yeah like it, it's just people being people i i appreciate that like the like uh, the the couple is having a fight and the the one is mad and the one's trying to explain and i'm just like oh this is very similitude very yes i think you really <laughs> hit the nail on the head this is just people being people the adem are like different they have like a different culture they have different language they have you know a different kind of philosophy of the world but they are still people and they do the same things that people do well something that is interesting about uh their groups is that there's like no more than like like the there weren't five like five would be like a lot kind of thing he was saying yeah there were... this is an interesting limitation and it raises questions about their culture like you can't really have a conversation in a demic with more than like three or four people because you can't see what everybody's hands are doing right like you can't, yeah, it if, makes it difficult to communicate clearly the more people are in the conversation. Um, and as an introvert, I really like this idea. Well, but I mean, <laughs> I think that that's also true of any gathering of people. Like if you're at a party and there's like 20 people there, you're not talking to all 20 people at once, right? You usually break off into groups of like four or five people and like have a little conversation together. And then those groups kind of split up and reform. So even that is like not particularly unusual. Yeah, I could agree with that. It does make me kind of wonder though, like what are ADEM speeches like, right? If you're giving, like if you are addressing a large crowd of people, you have to raise your voice to be heard, but uh, that's Was also Was Shaheen going to give a speech before fighting? I don't know. I don't think so. We'll have so. to wait till tomorrow's page to find out. You know, but like, how? Like, is there an exception in the cultural taboo about raising your voice when you have to address a large group of people? Do you only make hand talk and just hope that everyone can see it? Like, you know, if you're addressing like ten thousand people, they're not all going to be able to see your hand. So, are there like, and they're not all going to be here able to hear your voice? So, are they like passing the message back along? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it would have to be like a, like a, like a newsletter. <laughs> like you wouldn't have a speech. You'd just, you'd send out something that eventually would reach everyone. Many questions, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it just, just make me wonder, like, how does that work for them? And that's probably for the best, right? Like that's, that's a, a it's a world building idea that makes me wonder and doesn't 
but does not leave me wondering. Like the questions that I'm asking are not questions that are breaking my narrative immersion. They're enhancing it. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, cause like, I think there are instances where like a, an author is raising questions that they aren't prepared to answer, but those questions take you out of the story because they make the story not make sense. I'm thinking particularly if my partner and I just rewatched the prequel star Wars films because uh, she hadn't seen them since she was a kid. We've been watching all the star Wars movies and they suck. They've always sucked and they really, really suck. And I think because she had only seen them when she was a child, she did not like remember just how bad they were and in how many different ways they are bad. And one of the many ways they are bad is that the, the plot and the politics of the world don't make any sense and aren't well explained. And she, when she was a kid, she was like, I thought that's just because it was going over my head because I was a kid and they were grownups talking about politics, but now I'm a grownup and no, it just like, doesn't make any sense. Like the queen of Naboo is elected, but then she gets to appoint a Senator, but only the human Naboo have a Senator in the Senate. Uh, But the trade Federation, which is like some kind of like private company, also has a seat in the Senate, unless we're meant to understand that those guys are representatives of the planet Nemoidia and all Nemoidians are in the Trade Federation. Like it just, it raises all these questions that break your immersion in the story because it means you don't understand what's going on. Yes. And that is not what Rothfuss is doing, right? The questions that we are, none of the... All the questions we're asking make sense and don't necessarily need answers right now. Yeah, well, they're, they're questions, they don't have anything to do with the narrative, right? All the... Every all the information we need to understand the stakes of the story and what is happening that has been given to us, right? The questions that are left unanswered are questions that are world building questions that in, that will enhance our understanding, maybe even be clues to mysteries that the story is going to reveal later on. But the fact that we don't know them is not breaking our immersion in the story. Yes, correct, reasonable. Listeners, uh, I will continue to be correct and reasonable on subsequent episodes of Page. That's debatable. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) The wind.